When it comes to the big game, every second counts, especially if you're missing a moment of the action to go on a drink run. Luckily, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop local stores, compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, and then get them delivered in under 60 minutes or scheduled up to two weeks in advance. Talk about a home run or inside the park grand slam with a whole lot less work on your part. Drizzly also makes it easy to send the gift of alcohol right to your friends and family for any occasion, even if that occasion is rubbing it in their face after you beat them in your face. Or maybe you joined too many leagues or were late to date night because you were putting in fab claims. Apologize with a, a nice beverage. Maybe you just want to save some time when you're hosting a party and don't want to make that run to the liquor store. Or even better, be the hero that every party needs when supplies are getting low and order more drinks. They're open until 2 a.m. So if you're looking to spend more time watching the game, download Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Hey everybody, welcome back. It is the Rasball Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am Beaton, that man staring at you in the screen. If you're watching us on youtube.com slash Fantasy is the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, the fantasy master, Lothario himself, Gray Albright. How you doing over there, Gray? Hey, what's going on, Beaton? Uh, I'm doing good, man. Just uh, just, just living, living my best life, you know what I'm saying? Um, I... Uh, I got plans to go to Italy uh, in the off season with Cougs, so we're uh, we're planning our trip. We're going to uh, Bologna. Maybe you've heard of the uh, the deli meat. <laughs> yeah, does it, what does that what does that pair well with in, in Italy? <laughs> um, mayonnaise. <laughs> Ma- I'm sorry, mayonnaise. <laughs> No, that'll be fun, you know. Hey, you know a... do you have the mayonnaise? <laughs> My friend here, Gray, he comes. He comes straight to Bologna to get the mayonnaise. Yeah, it should be good. I, uh, I'll probably get kicked out of the country. Yeah. So is that happening directly after, like, the regular season ends? Or are you gonna wait till wait till the postseason wraps up? Uh, no. Actually, I think our trip is planned for the end of October. So. We'll be out of the regular season for sure. I think it might be during the World Series, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll read about it online. You'll figure I, it out. Yeah, yeah, I'll figure it out. I, I think uh, I think after like 
seven straight months of baseball, Coogs is like, can I have a week? <laughs> I got I have to, you know, I have to bend to her will sometimes. So yeah, I, I gave her one week a year. Yeah, yeah. Poor you. You have to go sit in Italy for a week. We really feel, we really feel bad for you, Gray. That's gonna be really tough. Oh, my arm! Stop twisting it. Yeah, yeah, so two and a half weeks good. left in the season. I mean, I feel like you're either super busy right now because you're grinding every <laughs> single thing, or like you're done. Like you, you're you know you're mid pack. There's yeah. nothing to do. You know what's funny about our podcast? It's been like it's been like five weeks to go for the last like seven weeks. <laughs> it's like we got we got five weeks to go. Five weeks to go. We only got five more weeks, and then Sunday it's like, well, you got two and a half weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Figure it uh, out now. Yeah. Uh, speaking yeah, of people. I, uh, you know, it's, it's actually, it's, um, I, I feel like it's pretty instructive of how many people play head to head because those are really the only people left doing baseball. <laughs> Most of, everyone with Roto, I mean, which makes sense with Roto, except for maybe one in every you know, 10 to 15 leagues, they're all pretty much decided by this point. Like, it's very little you can do in Roto. Where head-to-head, it's like, oh, my God. It's like my my entire season's coming down to a, a Drew Smiley start. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, head-to-head yeah. That's, how, that's how the head-to-head game works for you <laughs> occasionally. Um, I mean, let's move on, Gray. Let's talk some baseball here. A guy that, I mean, I don't know what's going on here either. I, I never thought I'd see the day where we had to worry about Juan Soto potentially going underneath the Mendoza line for batting average. I mean, I realize his his OBP is still amazing. He's still, he's still getting on base at almost a 400 clip. But he has a 217 average in 48 games here in the second half grade. He has five home runs and one stolen base over that time. For the season, he's hitting 239. 402, 452, he has 25 home runs and six stolen bases. I mean, I never thought I'd have to be worried about Luke Voigt potentially having a higher batting average than Juan Soto over any period of time, Gray. what What's going on with the lock of the century of the week in Juan Soto? Like, uh, is it time to be concerned that San Diego is, is ruining him or is he hurt or what's going on? Yeah, no, actually, speaking of the Mendoza line, I'll, I'll get to Juan Soto in a second, but I was actually, I I didn't, I wasn't following that closely to Giancarlo Stanton, and he's actually hitting 209, which was, I realized that on Sunday, and I was like, whoa, that's, that's really bad. Wow. I uh, I didn't realize he was doing that bad in average, um, or that bad in everything, really. <laughs> but Juan Soto, I have noticed, because... I've I got him in a couple leagues, so that that really stinks. I uh, you know one league, I have Juan Soto and uh, Matt Olson. Uh, yeah, that league's not doing so good. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, really NL- good coming NL- out of the draft though. <laughs> that's NL only, and I also uh, my my two top picks in uh, NL only. That's 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 Tout Wars, uh, by the way. My two, uh, my three top picks in Tout Wars this year, NL only, 12 team, uh, Juan Soto, Matt Olson, and Ozzy Albies. Oh, <laughs> not, not great. Um, anyway, uh, 
Yeah, Juan Soto, you know, it's actually kind of interesting because if you look at Juan Soto's, like, uh, walk rate and strike, like, his walk rate is down a little bit, but not really that bad. Like, he's still, like you said, his on-base percentage is still over 400. Um, I think his uh, his Ks are around what they were. The uh, The crazy, uh, like, not the actually, I don't know if it's crazy, but because of his walks and his strikeouts being so similar, you would kind of think all his uh, plate discipline was also pretty much in line with past seasons. But it's not really at all. Like, his O swing is way up. So his O swing is how many times he's swinging at balls outside of the strike zone. And that went from 15% last year to 20% this year. Not outside of his norm completely, as of like his previous seasons before 2021. But yeah, I mean, that's pretty high up from last year at least. Um, and then his balls that he swings at inside of the strike zone, that's way down uh, from last year. And that's way down from his career numbers. It's at 58 point, uh, 58.6%. That's down from 62.8% uh, the previous year. So what's that? So what's that saying? So it's saying that Juan Soto is basically swinging at balls and he's not swinging at strikes. It's not great. I mean, it's not good for anyone, really. But, it's you know, even the best hitters are going to struggle if they're swinging at the wrong pitches. Uh, in or, you know, if they're, so that's going to lead to more, more than likely it's going to lead to poor contact. So without even, I'm saying that without even looking. So then I scroll up to his hard contact, and his hard contact is way down from last year, too. So it checks out. It's not good. Like if you're swinging at, you know, if it's just basic common sense. If you're swinging at pitches outside of the strike zone and you're not swinging at strikes, then, you know, you make, you're making, you're going to actually, you're going to hit balls that are going to be more pitchers pitches, which are going to mean, which is going to mean your hard contact is down. And, you know, even Juan Soto can only do so much if he's hitting the ball, if he's hitting pitchers pitches, unfortunately, like that seems to be the issue. Like that's what I'm going off of and what I'm seeing. Like his his ground balls are actually down. His launch angle isn't terrible. I don't know if people remember, but in the first half of last year, Juan Soto's launch angle was so far down that he was actually grounding out a lot. He was grounding out to second base and he was making, you know, he's making contact hard contact, but it was going, it was a ground out to first or second base, which was never good. Uh, so now his launch angle is actually decent. His fly balls are decent, but like I said earlier, because it's bad contact, he's making, he's making fly ball outs, which is going to be, you know, like that's uh, look at Reese Hoskins and you know what he hits for average, you know, like it's okay for, it's okay for power. Like Juan Soto's hitting, you know, I mean, he, he was in a drought where he hadn't hit a home run in a while. He homered on Sunday. His power, like if he gets into one, his power should be fine. His launch angle looks decent, but he's making weak contact. So he's hitting a lot of fly ball outs. And yeah, I mean, his average has plummeted. He's not, he's not looking great right now. <laughs> so what I what I do think the optimistic takeaway is 
his uh, his fly ball outs and all this weak contact and everything I'm talking about will, you know, it's a slump. And what happens with a slump is, you know, a player ends up getting, you know, he falls into a slump and things get much worse before they get better. So hopefully everything looks fine, assuming he's healthy, which I do believe he probably is healthy. He's just, you know... He's in a slump, and I think he can come out of it. Like, I'm still hopeful. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if next year when he's drafted at, like, 15 to 20 overall, which I would guess is probably going to be his ADP, when he's drafted around that range, he's probably going to be a bit of a bargain. Like, he's, I could see a bounce back next year. I think uh, I'm still optimistic, but it has been brutal to own him this second half. Um Anyway, so what do you? What's your thoughts, Beat Up? Yeah, so I mean, I, to to some extent, we kind of discussed this early in the season when we we're doing kind of the the player previews and everything. Like we mentioned, you know, Wanso is an amazing hitter, but he does fall into kind of the Joey Votto kind of trap sometimes, where he's he's looking at so many pitches, um, and he's so good at like placing the ball that he may not always get to you know, the home run numbers, we never really expected the average to drop out. So that part, I really don't have an explanation for other than kind of what you had said, which is just, he's chasing a little bit more. He's, he's making worse contact. I mean, his BABIP is 242. That's, that's horrendous for as well as Juan Soto hits the ball. Um, Something that was kind of, I, I don't know if it helps Juan Soto's case at all, but like just a, a, interesting note like he has very similar like underlying numbers to his 2019 season but of course in 2019 we had you know the the nerf balls that would go for forever and so that season ultimately looks a lot cleaner than this year um in which you know the balls just aren't flying out like they they did in that season I don't know. I think he gets it back. I, I I agree with you in general that he's going to be fine for the rest of his career. I don't think this is any kind of big thing. I think it is just him chasing and getting maybe a little bit, you know, launch angle happy just because that's not his game. I know he, he kind of adjusted it last season because he had gotten to a ridiculously low point in his launch angle. Um, kind of Christian Yelich, at, you know, at his worst. Um, but I, I'm not worried long term. I think for the rest of the season, there's nothing you can do. Obviously, do obviously. Yeah. No. I, I. I think so. I. I mean, you know, it's hard to say. Like, uh, he's got such a good eye that I do kind of. You know, it's like I feel like his uh, what pitches to swing at will come back to him pretty naturally because he's always naturally been so good at choosing the right pitches to swing at. So I do. I think this is kind of like a, just a slump, to be honest. I mean, it sucks if you have him on your team and he's doing this and he's slumping this bad. I mean, that's obviously not great, but I I mean, I think he's going to come out of it. He's so young. I, I honestly, I would be buying, especially in like a dynasty or a keeper, if you can get him like, you know, even 75 cents on the dollar for next year, I would probably be doing it because I, I I anticipate him coming out of this slump and being good. Like Petco, 
you know, Petco isn't that bad of a park to uh, hit in. Uh, it used to be worse. It's not as bad anymore. Um, yeah, I I would be buying in a keeper dynasty league. Yeah, I mean, you yeah, said I mean, seventy five cents. I think it's like if you can get ninety cents, like I would still make that deal. I, I would take any discount you can potentially get on Soto. I again, I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to be the hitter we we know and love. Um, I don't know that he's ever going to be the power bat that we once thought he might develop into like a 500, you know, 315 type of hitter. Um, but if, you know, if he's just going to hit 30 home runs, sit in the middle of, of lineups, that's perfectly fine. And he's, I, I, even, I think I wouldn't even write that. I, you know what? I wouldn't even write that off to be honest. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a 45, 50 homer season from him at some point. I mean, he's still 23. He's got, He's got a good four or five years there, four, maybe even six six to seven years, up until about age 30. I mean, he could have one of those years where he goes off and he hits like 45, 50 homers and 325. I, I wouldn't be shocked if we see a huge year from him. Maybe not next year, but at some point, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be totally shocked by it. I think he's still got all of that potential in him. Yeah, I mean, if he gets his swing grooved and just gets hot, there's there's really, uh, you know, there isn't an upside that that he can't potentially hit. Um, it's just it's just the launch angle, the way he's selective, like that just leads to less opportunities for him to to take the ball out of the ballpark because he is so selective at, at, at what he swings at. Um, and that's I think for him to get back to it, like that's part of what has to come back is him being selective at the right times. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Part of it, I think, is just him switching teams, switching divisions, and seeing different pitchers too. So he'll he'll adjust to that as well as he as he, you know, spends more time in, with San Diego. San Diego. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. All right. So last week, you know, we talked about Michael Harris the second, who has just been just destroying it since he's been he came up. Another guy who has just been performing, I mean, he's been in NBA Jam on fire levels for this entire second half. He's hitting 331, 391, 489 over these 50 games of the second half. Five home runs, 16 stolen bases. Is Jake McCarthy. I mean, first half wasn't great. 242, three home runs, two stolen bases in 32 games. He got called out called during out the first during half. The first half. What are we doing are next, we doing year, next year, though? Like, is this Miles Straw or is this Adolis Garcia levels? Uh, I would say I would put him more on the uh, Miles Straw comparison, <laughs> which isn't yeah, which isn't great. Um, I don't know. I mean, he had. I mean, he's had some decent years in the past. Like he's had. He's been okay in the minors. He's like he definitely has a little bit of power and a little and, and he's got good speed. He, he, I was I was about to say a little bit, but he has he has actually good really good speed. So he has like twenty five to thirty five steel speed, and that's a pretty big gap. But I mean maybe I don't know. Put it at thirty steals. Uh, yeah, I mean he could potentially. I could see. I don't see like a Dallas Garcia. I think has way more power. Yeah. Like I, if anything, I think McCarthy maybe at, you know, at best is like a light Randy Rosarino with like, you know, maybe 15 homers and 30 steals. It's still not the totally most, the, the best analogy, but yeah, I mean, it's not like, 
I don't think McCarthy is like bad. I just don't think he's this good, especially when it comes to average. Like I, I just don't see him like right now he's hitting three oh one with a three sixty Babbitt. I don't know. He feels more like a two fifty hitter. And then a two fifty hitter gets in a slump and hits two twenty. And before you know it, the Diamondbacks are platooning him, uh, you know. So, like, that's really, like, my, my biggest concern. I think his power and his speed are more or less legitimate. I think there's probably, like, you know, uh, his speed is legitimate for sure. His power, like I said, I mean, 15, 15 homers even feels like it's on the high side. Maybe closer to, like, 7 to 12 homers. Um, so, you know, uh, conservatively say 10 homers, 25 steals, 255 next year if he has uh everyday playing time. I mean, that doesn't I mean, it doesn't sound terrible, especially in a deeper league. I don't think it's really like I, I, that feels like a guy who could be on and off of waivers in shallower leagues, uh, especially like an RCL league. I mean, he could be – I could see him getting dropped during his cold spells. I don't know. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, this isn't a Michael Harris the second situation for me because he doesn't hit the ball with authority like Harris does, as you, as you kind of mentioned. I mean, if you just kind of pull up his hit tracker and, and just look at like where he's been getting hits, like it's mostly – infield hits so maybe the shift away from the shift uh is is maybe McCarthy's one of the guys that it actually might help slightly just because he's going to continue to kind of put the balls in play he does have speed so he can he can maybe maintain a little bit of the high babbit that he has right now um I'm with you he's not a 300 hitter um I do think there's some potential here just from a speed perspective and how, how important speed is in our game right now so I think, like, different positions. Yeah, actually, and also the uh, the there's going to be the uh, the pickoff attempts are going to be limited next year too. So I mean, there is. I mean, McCarthy, if he's hitting, you know, if he's getting on base, yeah, maybe and steals go up next year. I mean, in theory, they're supposed to go up across the board, so that makes steals less valuable. But if a guy like McCarthy can steal thirty plus bags. Yeah, I mean that's I mean he's going to have value. I just don't know if he's going to have this much value. Right, I right. mean, you know, it's like he feels like a guy who had a like Miles Straw last year, like a guy who had a really good half and then, you know, like we see this year. I mean, Miles Straw is like, you know, he's the uh he's the worst case worst case scenario for like Jake McCarthy if he goes to like you know, the extreme where he falls into a slump and he's hitting 220, then he becomes the nine-hole hitter on the Diamondbacks, and it's like, who cares? You know, then it's a, then he's on and off of even a 15-team mixed league. It's hard to, like, even with steals as a nine-hole hitter, it's hard to carry that in a lot of leagues unless you're really desperate for steals. Then he's a Sagnoff play, which is fine, but that... You know, then it's John Birdie during, you know, like right now when John Birdie's not stealing and you're holding John Birdie on your team, you're like, oh, can I drop John Birdie? <laughs> you, you know? Uh, Miles uh, Straw this, this year went around 130, 140 gray in, in NFBC drafts. 
Or do you feel like that's a comfortable range for McCarthy? Is that too high, too low? Where? What do you think about? What do you think about that range for his ADP, or his ADP next year? Next year? Mm, that feels high, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe around like uh, one ninety to two ten. I think. I don't know. I mean, it's going to be hard because it will definitely. I mean, I could see helium in uh, the during March in the draft season. Like if he's hitting leadoff and he's hitting well in spring training, then I could see him getting bumped up to like 130, 140. But I don't think he's going to start off that high. I don't know. I'm I'm out if he's at at that high of a range. I mean, that sounds like too high for. For me, I I got I got too burned by Miles Straw this year, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm biased. But yeah, I mean, you know, we all have our bias. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't I don't have an issue. Have an I think issue, towards, I think the, towards the, back the back end of like the 140 range, if that's where he's going to kind of sit, is 140 to 150. Anything more than that, I think I'm probably with you. Um, I I do think there is a little bit more to Jake McCarthy than we did have with Miles Straw. Just kind of looking at the the batted ball profile, the then also just the age. Like Straw was twenty seven. He's kind of like a, a a lower profile hitter. McCarthy has McCarthy a, little, has bit a little bit of prospect pedigree, pedigree. Um, behind him, and I think he's he's shown a little bit more than we saw from Straw last year. I was doing a uh, I was doing a find uh, in the ADP. Uh, in this preseason's ADP, I was I was trying to find Jake McCarthy, so I did a find, and uh, as I was typing it out, I got to uh, Jake McGee before Jake McCarthy. <laughs> <laughs> Remember him? Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, maybe yeah. like the Akil Badu range, like one fifty to one sixty, is really where I'm at on McCarthy because that feels right. Like Badu had like that really good second half. He he didn't really feel fully. Real, but it, it like the numbers look Actually, good enough. Actually, Akil Badu isn't a bad comparison because he also sucked this year. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that happening. Like Jake McCarthy, I, I honestly worry. Like, I mean, his strikeout rate in like a half a season this year is really good, but so much better than it was in the minors. I mean, maybe something clicked for him where he realized that he has to make contact and he's a and he's a better player overall if he's making contact because he's got speed so he can like you know like his babbit plays better with contact so maybe he's he stopped trying to hit like home runs even though he has hit some home runs so maybe he has become a better hitter i don't know maybe i'm selling him short maybe this is the start of something like he's you know like he looks on this on his on the face of it like he could be uh, a you know a trap for next year, like a uh, Akil Badu or Miles Straw. But on the other hand, he looks like he also could be like a Tommy Edmond, where he could hit like fifteen homers, steal thirty bags, and hit two seventy. Yeah, I mean Tommy Edmond doesn't exactly hit the ball hard either, so um, I think that could be the upside play of McCarthy. The contact numbers do look better. I mean he he's just make, he makes he's making good contact on everything. Uh, I don't know where that came from because, as you mentioned, like he has a high K rate track record in the minors. Even though 
a lot of small samples in the minors, so really hard to pull too much from that. Um, I could see actually, I could see potentially getting in on him in like a uh, a draft and hold, or especially if you're drafting early, like if you're drafting November December of this year, because his I feel like his ADP might be lower early uh, draft season versus late draft season. Like if people start, you know, if you you start getting people in March who are out there saying like. Jake McCarthy's going too late, you know, then his <laughs> thing goes up so high where he's then going too early. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you've kind of sold me a little bit on him uh, just on this, you know, on our pod. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe if you're in like a uh, TGFBI or NFBC uh, and it's a draft and hold and you need steals because, like, I mean, I've held – Miles Straw, speaking of Miles Straw, I've held Miles Straw for a, a good part of the year in a deep enough league just because of the steals are steals are so valuable. Um, but yeah, like, you know, like I said earlier about pickoff attempts being limited. So I don't know. I'm on the fence, obviously, but I, I'm a little bit more interested maybe now. All right, glad I can change it a little bit, Gray. We'll we'll see how the rest of the season plays out for Jake, and if he ke- keeps this going, uh, I do like that he keeps just sliding up the the lineup. Like he's gone from seventh, and then he had sixth for a while, and now he's hitting three four for them a lot. Um, I don't know if that's really the best use of his skills necessarily, but that's where they got him. So I mean, I'll take all the runs in RBI that you can get. Uh, at least it's early in the Arizona lineup if you're going to be in that lineup. Yeah. Yeah, no, completely. Also, I mean, Corbin uh, Carroll should be hitting at the top and they got uh, I think Josh Rojos will be uh, will be back. Uh, But then, like, I don't know, it's just a mess. (laughs) So then, yeah. So, I mean, Jake McCarthy might be included in that mess somewhere. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean. I don't know what their lineup's going to look like next year, but Corbin Carroll should be towards the top. Yeah, one one would think and expect that to happen. When it comes to the big game, every second counts, especially if you're missing a moment of the action to go on a drink run. Luckily, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you could shop local stores, compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, and then get them delivered in under 60 minutes or scheduled up to two weeks in advance. Talk about a home run or inside the park grand slam with a whole lot less work on your part. Drizzly also makes it easy to send the gift of alcohol right to your friends and family for any occasion, even if that occasion is rubbing it in their face after you beat them in your face. Or maybe you joined too many leagues or were late to date night because you were putting in fab claims. Apologize with a, a nice beverage. Maybe you just want to save some time when you're hosting a party and don't want to make that run to the liquor store. Or even better, be the hero that every party needs when supplies are getting low and order more drinks. They're open until 2 a.m. So if you're looking to spend more time watching the game, download Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Uh, somebody that you had towards the top of your rankings and I'd imagine you have all over the place this year is Bo Bichette. <laughs> you know, the uh, yeah. first half was... It was good. It was fine. It wasn't, you know, top three, top five player like he was being drafted in some leagues. But the second half has been much better. He's hitting 330, 373, 584. He has 10 home runs, four stolen bases. Um, he's going to get his numbers for the most part that you expected. Stolen bases are going to be down, uh, obviously, from 2021. 
I mean, what are you looking at for him in drafts in 2023 without the stolen bases, but still hitting in that sweet spot of the lineup? So, I mean, he's been valuable all season, even when he wasn't necessarily producing at the rate that we wanted to, just because he was getting runs in RBI. Is he kind of in that, you know, like Juan Soto range for next year? Uh, yeah, so he's probably, you know, he is in the, uh, like, I mean, I, I would guess he's, like, he's in that uh, category of, like, he's going to get counting stats, like, for sure, uh, because he's just, like, in such a good lineup, and he's good for average, so if he's getting, you know, the 100-plus run, 100, 100, 100 to 100-plus 100 runs, depending on where he is in the lineup, obviously, but if he's getting, like, 100 to 100-plus 100 runs, 100 to 100-plus 100 RBIs, and, you know, a, a 285 average or better, you'd figure that he's going to be at worst, he's going to be a top 25 player. Like it's a, at worst that's going to happen. Cause like, you know, even though you, you can't really rely on runs, RBIs and average with Bo Bichette, you kind of can, like he is a rock solid, like, you know, I mean, unless like something super fluky happens, but then super fluky could happen to anything or anyone like, you know, like what's going on with Juan Soto, like we mentioned earlier, like, you know, things can happen, but you would think you'd be able to bank on Bo Bichette getting good runs and RBIs and average. So then, so then you're just left with like the two things that should be more or less like rock solid that are like a little bit more up in the air, like his power, he's probably a 25 Homer guy, you know, um, neutral luck and everything. So, you know, I would say 25 homers and then the steals are, you know, oddly enough, because like steals are usually like power and power and speed are things that don't usually change like this dramatically uh, season to season, especially for a guy who's only 24 years old. But yeah, his steals are so far down. Like you said, I mean, he's got 11 steals and he got, he's been caught eight times. It's like, that's awful. I mean, it's good that he's at least trying, but I mean, I think even the Jays are like, if you're going to try and fail, (laughs) stop trying. It's like, you know, cut it out, man. It's not it's not cool. Um, so I mean and even with his second half being so much better, like you mentioned, uh hitting three thirty in the second half, um, as of the recording of this, uh he still only has four steals. So it's not like, you know, he's getting on base so much more, but he's still not stealing a lot. So if he's a you know, it's bizarre, too, because he has he has good speed, so he should be able to steal more. So if maybe like this is where, like, you know, there's there's science and then there's like, you know, the uh, what we're doing here, <laughs> <laughs> which is just like, you know, there's sort of like uh, a, a, a big chunk of like maybe there's just it's just incoherent like, rambling. Yeah, it's just like what what is he going to do for steals next year? Like there's like he could go to, you know, he could work on getting better reads, 
the pickoff attempt limiting of next year, maybe that'll have an effect. Like, there's so much non-science here. There's just anecdotal evidence of, like, he has speed, so he should be able to run. Like, last year, he had 25 steals and only one caught stealing. This year, he has 11 steals and eight caught stealing. So it's like, I mean, he shouldn't have lost that much speed between the seasons. And next year, like, if there's going to be more steals, you know, like, it's so hard to say because, and that really is going to make a huge difference in his value for next year. Because, like I said, he's probably a 25 homer guy. He's got 100 runs, 100 RBIs, and 285 average. Then it's just going to come down to, like, you know, the difference between 10 steals and 25 steals is going to be huge. So I don't know, man. It's gonna be he's gonna be tough to call. I think I'm I'm still in. By the way, I'm still gonna be in on him next year, and still at like second round, like the uh, the real. You know, I think I said I either said this on the podcast last week or I said it somewhere on the site or something I, that like Vlad Guerrero is probably going to be, like, in the Freddie Freeman range next year. Like, you know, like 12 overall. Like, somewhere in that range. I would think Vlad is probably going to go around there. So it's like, is Bo Bichette, is he before Vlad or after Vlad? Mm, Probably after. But I'm in either way, I think. Like, I don't know. I I still like him a lot. What's your thoughts? I, I like Bo Bichette. I mean, he's a, he's a great player. Uh, you were higher on him this year than I was just because I kind of thought last year's steals were kind of best-case scenario because he's fast, but he's not like – he's not Trey Turner fast. He's not among the fastest people in baseball. He's fast enough to steal bases, and the fact he went 25-1 and one made me feel good because he's been raised in baseball. Like, he understands how to get jumps. He understands how to read. But then this year, 11-8 makes me think that I was just wrong about that um, completely. I would say, you know, if he's going to go towards like 20, the back end of the second, early third in in 15 teamers, I'm probably in at that price. If he's going to go towards like the back end of the first round, early second, that I'm I'm probably out on. I'm probably going with somebody Somebody else that maybe has more upside. upside. I think... uh, you know, with uh, with Vlad actually stealing this year a little bit more, uh, but that also that doesn't feel like a, a thing that you could necessarily count on either. Uh, you know, like Vlad could have ten steals this year, and I think he's still probably going to get projected for like three to five. Like no one's going to expect him to steal ten again. Um, if he does steal ten, I think he's at eight. Anyway, like Vlad. Or Bo Bichette, it sounds like you're saying Vlad for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, it's hard. I mean, I think Vlad is like, you know, Vlad is also similar with runs and RBIs and average. Like, you know, he's – and but power. He's got more power, but I think he's got less speed, even though right now their speed – numbers their steel numbers at least are not that different so yeah it's hard i think they're going to probably be pretty close in uh adp next year <sighs> i don't know i i like i like bichette but vlad feels safer when it comes to power and you know it's and his power is higher than bichette obviously so 
Yeah, it's probably I'd probably say Vlad first over Bichette too, but close though. All right, I'm gonna throw a few more names at you for Bichette's value here, and we're gonna talk about one of them next, and that's the Ozzy Albies. He was going in that kind of you know back end of the first, early second this year. Um, and then, you know, out, outside of Albies, there's Mookie Betts, who is going in that range, but obviously has been performing this year, but he's going to be another year older. Was this just his last year, um, where he's kind of doing that? And then I'm going to ask you, Julio, Julio Rodriguez, like those three guys, I feel like are all kind of going to be mentioned in that same range. And it just depends on. What's your looking for so. potentially? I don't. I don't think so. So I think uh, Julio Rodriguez and uh, Mookie Betts are going to be way above those guys. Okay. I think. Okay. I think they're uh, Mookie Betts and Julio Rodriguez are top seven at worst. Uh, I think Vlad and Bo are probably early second round for twelve team mixed league. So between twelve and fifteen. I think, uh, and then uh, Ozzy Albie is going to be after because this year was such a lost year. You, no one's drafting Ozzy Albies in the top twenty. I don't think next year he could be a good value. Don't get me wrong; I might be in on Ozzy Albies, but I don't think he's getting drafted in the top twenty next year. Yeah, he might not. I, I feel like what holds somewhat value his value up is just like second base is still kind of a. Sure, a crap position. Also, yeah, for sure. But there's also recency bias. Uh, oh, yeah. Recency bias, and you know, people are going to be like, "Oh, he didn't really play last year." I'm not drafting him in the top twenty. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'll I completely understand how how it's going to end up working. But I, I'd honestly say, like, Ozzy Albie's probably outperforms Mookie Betts next year, and you know, they're going to go in opposite directions on draft day because of what happened this year. Even though Albies is younger, Betts is getting another year older, like recency bias is going to play into that. Um, but sure. I, I, I yeah. feel like they're still going to come out similar. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's probably why I'll be drafting Albies everywhere, but I, I won't have to draft him in the top like seven overall. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. All right, let's move over to some arms, Gray. Uh, Spencer Strider, I know we've talked about him a little bit on the show, obviously. I mean, how could we not? But he has 200 Ks. In 130 innings, he beat the big unit, Randy Johnson's record, by two-thirds of an innings pitch. He has a 38.3% K rate. That's sixth in the majors sixth in, in total, the major Ks. In total Ks. Otani has 196. <laughs> Cease has 214. He's the number three pitcher on the player radar over the last 30 days. Most Ks over that time by eight strikeouts. Is this finally the pitcher that's going to break your Braves pitching curse, Gray? <laughs> Uh, well, I will say that Max Freed kind of isn't in that same uh, Braves curse, uh, you know, category because he he's been okay, not as not as good for Case, obviously. But I'm saying like you know the uh, for people who are unfamiliar, uh, uh, and if they are and they're listening to this podcast, how could you be unfamiliar and listen to this podcast? <laughs> It doesn't seem likely that you don't know what I'm about to say. But, like, Ian Anderson last year was so good, and then he just, uh, you know, crapped about this year. Tuki Toussaint previously. I think it was, like, uh, Jar Jar Jins is the one who started it. (laughs) Oh, no. There's these great Braves pitchers for, like, one year, and then they just totally disappear. Um 
So I don't think Strider is going to be in that category because the Ks are just so good. I I am concerned about the jump in, in innings from last year to this year, but I don't know. Maybe that's, you know, that's maybe overblown of a concern. Uh, I mean, he he has been so good. I'm actually kind of surprised that no one else has gone to 200 Ks in a shorter uh, time span than uh, uh, since Randy Johnson, because that does, that feels like a while ago. And so many pitchers like strike out so many guys. Like you think of like you Darvish, like some of those big years when he had like crazy K per nines. So I'm a little surprised actually that Strider was the one to break the record, but that feels like a record that could get broken. Like once every three years, uh, cause you know, pitchers strike <laughs> like, you know, guys just strike out so much now. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I think Strider, like, I mean, he looks so good that it's, like, kind of, like, shocking how, you know, it's like this is – Strider is actually a good a uh, a good guy to look at and see why don't invest in, like, pitching because, like, he came out of nowhere, really. Like, what was – his ADP was, like – Nothing because he wasn't getting drafted. I mean, it's like no one drafted Strider, I don't think, uh, like in any leagues, really. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I really like I really like him a lot. I think he's probably uh, his ADP, by the way, for people who are curious, are curious, was a 722 overall. So, yeah, no one was drafting him. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I probably... I think I'm probably going to like him with uh, some caveats. Like, I think uh, because of the innings pitch was such a huge jump, I could see I could see liking him but hedging it in a way where I don't really draft him, unfortunately, because it's just like, I don't know. There's, there's just the, the worry about the innings. And he could potentially – I would guess he's going to get drafted way higher – that I'm going to be willing to take him is my guess. I don't know. I, I I would be shocked if he gets out of the third or fourth round, right? I mean, he's going to be drafted. He's going to be drafted in the top 50 overall in drafts, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I think he's going to be just obsessed over, just because of the Ks. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm probably going to obsess over him, so I can't really – really say anything because the but then you're on the other so hand amazing. i'm sorry not to interrupt but then on the other hand you have like dylan cease who was so obvious like i wrote a sleeper post on him and when i was writing it i i, I remember thinking like is this silly because like he's not really going to be a sleeper but then he he but then he was kind of like you know i feel like any pitcher who is going to get drafted like you know as late as Cease was this year, who has like top five starter capability, that's still a sleeper. Even it may not be like, you know, getting drafted at 700 overall and having like, you know, top 100 value potential, but it's still, you know, there's still some sleeperness to it. <laughs> sleeperness. That's a word. <laughs> uh, but anyway, like Dylan Cease though, like he seems so obvious coming into this year to me and his K's were obvious they were going to be there, but he was still drafted fairly late where, so, but I don't, but I think Strider, I don't know. I feel like Strider for people who are wondering, uh, Dylan Cease was going at 80 overall, uh, which is still like really, I mean, that's an NFBC. 
I feel I, I don't have it in front of me, but I think like ESPN and Yahoo had Dylan Cease way later than that um, is my guess. I mean, he he was getting drafted later. I ended up drafting Dylan Cease everywhere, and I don't draft top starters. So like I don't know, maybe Spencer Strider surprises us and gets drafted after the top 50 overall, which would put him in range of, you know, possibly for me getting drafted for drafting him. I don't know. Uh, I, I, sorry. I, I cut you off. What were you saying? Oh no, that's fine. Uh, I was saying, I, I think he kind of falls maybe in that, like Freddie Peralta range from this year, like 50, 54, 55, somewhere in that area, just cause he has the upside, but it's the innings, and you know in, in the fantasy baseball community that if you haven't shown it before, people get get a little leery on it. So I, I feel like I feel that like knocks that's down. Right. Down. That's actually a really price. good – yeah, that's a good comparison. Freddie Peralta, who I, who I was actually really in on this year, and I thought he was also a guy who was going – like, you know, I was willing to take Freddie Peralta as the number one starter. It didn't work out, but that's – like the worry with Strider is like because Peralta had taken such a huge jump in innings, that's my concern with Strider too. It's like I don't know. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I was I was gonna say it's only been like forty five innings or so on on Strider. Now he's he's going to the playoffs more than likely with the Braves, so we'll see how many innings that he, he stacks up in the, in the playoffs. But right now it's only sitting in like 40, 45 innings. You know, by the time we get through the playoffs, that might be 60. They, that, that is a little bit more concerning, especially if they go deeper into the playoffs. Uh, and he's just he's just throwing for longer. Um, but, I mean, I think if he just gets like 140, 150 innings, that's all you need out of him, though, because he's going to put up such dumb strikeout numbers for you in that time that you can fill in some of the, you know, the innings with, you know, the, the Quatos and Chris Bassett's and, and the people who don't get strikeouts, strikeouts but, but, but maintain, maintain a ratio. Oh, yeah. By the way, like, how does someone like Spencer Strider, like, I don't watch minor league games, uh, so I don't pay attention to prospects that closely. Like, you know, when a guy gets called up, th- at that point, I go and look at them. But how does a guy like Spencer Strider get through the minors with like a 40 prospect grade and like, like it's like I don't get it man I, I honestly I mean people not that you know not that I don't miss on people but like it's just so it's weird to me how badly like some people are like you know they look at him and they're like yeah he's like barely 40 grade is like nothing. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't like, I like, I miss on guys all the time. So it's not like I don't miss on people. So like, I'm not saying like, you know, I'm somehow perfect, but like, if you watch Spencer Strider, wasn't he mowing down minor leaguers? <laughs> I mean, what? I mean, I didn't watch him, so I don't know. But I, it's like, if I was watching him, I feel like I would have saw it and been like, Oh, he's really good. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was. He absolutely just mowed down everybody. I guess part of the issue was he ran up through the minors so fast. He went from A ball to triple A last year and then came up to the majors this year. Like, there was no time to adjust because he was just, he was up and destroying, like, before we could we could really make it 
rankings and I, I think that's part of the problem with rankings is like unless you're going to come in and adjust all the time which itch does i think three four times a year which is great like that's a lot of work to redo prospect rankings and catch all the spencer striders but yeah i, I am with you how do you watch him throw and not be like this kid's going to be something special special right yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not a prospect guy. There is probably there's something. I mean, I I'm guessing maybe that people thought his command was just so bad that he would never. That maybe that was why, or maybe he developed a pitch this he, year. He, I don't he know. Did he developed the slider. The slider. Oh, yeah, oh, you know, last, no, last year, year that was that something was they had working, working on. on. Right, that was last year. But yeah, right. And and he. Uh, yeah, I mean, he has a little bit of a change, but it looks like only five yeah, percent yeah. of the time. So not really. I mean, he's he's basically a two pitch pitcher, which is always like, you know, I I go back to that thing that I say all the time. That's like, if it's two pitches, it doesn't matter if they're two really good pitches. It's like, if no one's hitting your two pitches, you don't need four pitches. You only need two pitches if no one's hitting them. So anyway, yeah. We, uh, okay. So who Randy else? Randy Johnson, Johnson didn't have, 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 a have a third pitch third until pitch. he was like 30. So it'll be fine. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's move on to a guy that prospect people did not get wrong and who has been performing amazingly since getting called back up. And that is George Kirby. Uh, obviously another just great young arm. Second half, he's had 53 and a third innings pitched. He has a 203 ERA, a 0.98 whip, a 29.2% K rate, and a less than 3% walk rate grade. George Kirby has been everything we thought we were going to get the first time he came up. We have gotten it now. Like, he's looked amazing. Right. Yeah, no, completely. Yeah, and almost like uh, maybe this is the... Maybe this is the type of arm that prospect people uh, understand better because of like the command is so good. Like it's like if a guy is able to command his pitches, that's easier to spot than a guy who just strikes out everyone and is wild. I don't know. Maybe I'm just I'm just guessing. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean George Kirby, like you said, I mean his command is so good. You know, it's like if you go back to like you know command is really everything. Like if you, if you're able to command your pitches, then you could just like, you know, you can work around having, not having great velocity, but George Kirby has great velocity. So he's got like, he's got the double whammy of like having really good stuff and great command. So yeah, I, he's another guy where I'm really concerned about the innings jump. Uh, you know, and even the Mariners have been trying to limit him. So I'm, I, I mean, I wish he would kind of like, you know, chill a little bit. <laughs> I kind of <laughs> wish he would get shut down, but yeah, I mean, he's great. I mean, he's always going to, he, he'll be solid as long as he's healthy. I like him a lot. I think, um, I could see him in next year. I could see him in that range of pitchers that was like where Alec Manoa went. Like that, uh, you know, 30, 30th starter off the board type range uh, where, you know, there might be some concerns about the innings. The K's aren't the K's are good. Not amazing. But I mean, he's in a great park. I wouldn't be shocked to see a George Kirby year of like a two two 2.50 ERA and under and just an insanely good whip. Like he's really good. I, I have nothing bad to say about him. I'm just worried a little bit about the innings jump. 
Yeah, I mean, if he's going in that 90 to 130th starter type of range like Manoa, I'm going to have a ton of shares in him just like I, I did with Manoa because I think he's just going to be a phenomenal pitcher. Uh, on the innings jump, it, it is, it's like 30, it's going to end up being 30 to 40 innings. Um, I mean, the Mariners are right kind of on the border of the wild card, so maybe he gets in, in another couple of outings, but I, I'm I'm not as concerned, it sounds like, in the innings jump, just because I'm willing to kind of look past that, um, but that's just a, that that's just how I kind of play, play it with the young arms. Now, a guy who I... I I was looking. I honestly pulled up the last thirty-day player radar, and like he just kind of like stood out to me because I'm like, where the hell did he come from? Bailey Falter is number nine on the pitcher player radar over the last thirty days. Gray, he's had forty-five and a third innings pitched in the second half. He is a two-nine-eight ERA, a sub-one WHIP, a twenty-one percent K rate, and a sub-four walk rate. Not at the K rate of the two guys we just talked about, but is there something here with Bailey Falter, Falter or is this is just, just hot ride? Uh, yeah, no, I, I don't think there's anything here, really. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't see much. I mean, he's got good command, so that's good. Like I was saying before, like, if you're able to, you know, it's like a, uh, like a Miles Mikolos or something. Like, if you have good command, you can get by with, like, a 8K per 9 or under, which he's doing right now. Uh, I, I do, I, you know, the command should play into him having uh you know him avoiding like uh, homers but his park is like you know he's not in a great home park he has been giving up a lot of home runs um his ground ball rate is so goofy low and his fly ball rate is pretty high i don't yeah i don't really have like strong feelings for him outside of being a streamer at this point but if he's got good command I could see him having like worthwhile value in deeper leagues, but in shallower leagues, I just, I don't really see it outside of streaming. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm with you. I think he's kind of, I think the best case scenario is he becomes one of those low K solid ratio guys, but a, a lot of the numbers just look like he's getting, he's getting lucky and he's a fly ball pitcher in a park that is not meant to be a fly ball pitcher. I'd feel a lot better if he was, say, in San Francisco, then I might believe this a little bit more. Um, but sitting in, in Philly, like that's that's one of the worst parks you possibly put a fly ball pitcher in. Yeah, agreed. All right, a guy that actually popped up in our Razball chat this morning, uh, Jeffrey Springs, number 17 on the play radar over that 30, 30 days. days. He's above, He's above Brandon, Brandon Woodruff, Woodruff and Garrett, and Garrett Cole. Cole. In 121, 121 innings, innings this year, this year he has a 2.5 ERA, a 109 WHIP, a 26.5% K rate, and a 5.9% walk rate. He's not actually a velocity gainer. If anything, he's lost some velocity, but the movement is up, and he's throwing that that Tampa Bay sinker change pitch. Uh, you know, apparently Tampa Bay went after, this, after guy this guy specifically, specifically for, for his, his arm, arm motion. motion. Is Jeffrey is Springs real? Uh, yeah, I mean, he looks, he looks more real than Falter. I I think, uh, I think Jeffrey Springs could be one of those guys that like has good value next year and is like a number three, uh, number three to four starter for fantasy and is drafted like 
200 or later. And I, I could see even potentially writing a sleeper post for him next year. Like he's, he looks like he's got like, he's got good command. He's got actually, he's got decent, he's got good strikeouts. Um, it's more about the stuff versus like, like he's not overpowering, but yeah, I, I like him. Uh, I think, uh, you know, cool whip just wrote a post about him. Uh, so people can check out like cool whips, uh, write up about him. But yeah, I, I think there's going to be something here for Jeffrey Springs. If anything, I, I could see maybe not writing the sleeper post because Cool Whip's already covered him. <laughs> so <laughs> I could see just like pointing to Cool Whip's po- uh, post versus writing it all again myself. But yeah, I mean, he looks, I think Jeffrey Springs looks decent. I, I, I'm, I'm interested for sure. I, I don't think, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't believe it's just like the, uh, Ryan Yarbrough random year when he looked good and then he just fell into uh, obscurity. I think Jeff I think there might be something here with Jeffrey Springs. I think there's potential. I don't love Kevin Cash like, you know, limiting the innings so much where you're like, oh, like Jeffrey Springs got a good two start week and then he goes like four innings in both starts. You're like, oh, <laughs> oh Kevin Cash, you're killing me, bro. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I like Jeffrey Springs. I, I think I'm I'm in on him for sure. I, I don't know. I think the price is going to be relatively cheap, too, because I don't see anyone really pushing up his uh, ADP. Maybe. 175 at the most 150 possibly but more than likely in shallower leagues for sure he's gonna be get like he's the kind of guy that espn probably won't even rank like he's gonna be he'll be going so late in some leagues like i could see him going after 225 overall in in shallower leagues yeah, I mean, he, he is the kind of guy that gets kind of forgotten about when we look back. Everybody's going to remember Strider. I, I I hope George Kirby doesn't get inflated, but that's probably just me wishing on a star. But like this, you know, Jeffrey Springs is the kind of guy who can fall through. I will say, I think he's probably closer to the picture we saw, like at least the numbers wise from 2021, like a mid three ZRA, you know, solid whip. Decent K's, not not anything amazing, although his K rate in 2021 was amazing. I think the K rate from this year across the larger sample is probably more more fair um, just because he does have a very high high left on base. Um, and he's he's picked up this new pitch that usually gives you a little bit of a boost in the first year. I don't know if when people come back next year, if people chase it or at the same rate that they are right now. So a little bit of decline. Um, he's also going to be turning 30. So, of course, my, my age just comes into play. And I'm just like, ah, 30-year-old breakout. Um, but, yeah, if he's going in, like, the back 250, 225, 300, anywhere in that range, I'll, I'll happily take a, a shot on him. And uh, even at, like, a 3.5 ERA, he's a solid streamer. Yeah, agreed. All right, Gray, something real quick that we're going to just talk about, and we'll address it if he actually signs, because there's been rumors that Kodai Singa is potentially getting posted. Um, I only really bring it up because the Cubs are mentioned as the primary suitor for him right now, so I had to bring him up. Um, He hasn't out in his contract, but he's still getting paid pretty well. Anything here that you want to talk about or just move on? Is it me? 
Am I missing something, or is he not thrown since 2019? Could I sing it? Yeah. Uh, I thought he was throwing this year. Uh, yeah, oh, was he? Yeah, he's throwing know. this year. Oh, okay. So I maybe uh, it's the stats I'm looking at. I'm, uh, I tried to find his stats. I uh, I don't know. I I have 2019 as his most recent year, but I guess I, uh, I, I'm missing something. Um, yeah, I mean... I don't know. Like he's older, right? He's gonna be thirty next year. Uh, I think he's like he is basically just like uh, he's like in that mold of like good, um, what you call good command. You know, K's are okay, uh, solid, but not amazing. And then the you know Japan to the major leagues supposedly is like going triple A to the majors. So you figure he's going to lose a K per nine. I don't know. I mean, he's, he's looked fine in, in Japan from what I'm seeing for is, is, uh, I actually, I was able to find, he has been pitching. I, I was able to find, uh, this year's numbers. Um, anyway. Yeah. I mean, his numbers look good. I, I don't know. I, it's hard for me to get super excited about. Like, after uh, I'm so spoiled by Otani. <laughs> that, yeah, I mean, he looks like he could be serviceable, like, as a, a number four to five fantasy starter with maybe three uh, upside. I don't see I don't see higher than fantasy three, though. Maybe, I don't know, maybe a two if he just really surprises people and his ratios are good but he's going to be a ratios bet i don't really buy the k's coming over and i don't know i do you do you have something for him i don't know i mean he seems okay yeah i mean he's he has like a low to mid fat 90s fastball he throws like a, a fork ball which is kind of one of those weird Asian pitches that they're pretty much only only Asia still throws. He's got a bunch of different like junk balls he throws. Um, I, I'm with you. I don't think the K's are going to be anything special. I think you know he's at like a ten nine point five nine point five to ten K per nine uh, in Japan. So yeah, I mean you're looking like an eight eight to nine at like the best. Um, I don't know. He's he's fine. I think uh, what you're looking at would be. I don't know, like, you know, like Jordan, Jordan Montgomery. Montgomery yeah, right? yeah, that's what I was gonna say. A Montgomery, or you know, uh, useful, like, but like, yeah, useful for sure. Like nothing, like not bad, but like an ace. I mean, maybe for stretches, for like you know, a, a couple weeks here and there. But I don't know. I yeah, not not really, not a, not like top. One, I would say maybe drafted in the in around 150, just for people who want to take a flyer and who are excited about the upside. But in reality, probably 180 to 210 overall. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think I that's, think probably, that's about probably about right. Yeah, so, so I think I, we're in the same page, and we'll discuss him a little bit more. You know, when and if he signs, he he has again, he has a very cushy contract where he's at. I think he has four more deals years left on that, but he does have an out because he wanted to potentially explore this this move over. Uh, for what it's worth, just kind of relating a pitcher back that that you're maybe more familiar with, Miles Mikolas in his last year in Japan had a nine K per nine. 
he sat in like the the seven and a half to nine over in Japan. So we know kind of what he is over here. Sega has a little bit more K potential than Mikolos, but there is that that K. That's what I, yeah, exactly. That's what I I was kind of like, uh, I was about to say Mikolos when you said Montgomery. I think Montgomery is probably more accurate, but Mikolos isn't, I don't think he's totally far off either from what he could potentially do. Uh, Like, I I think Mikolos is probably a little bit lower on strikeouts than what uh, Senga could potentially do. That's why I say Montgomery's more than likely the comp that you're going to want here, but... Yeah, I mean, you know, Mikolos is a good example of a guy who, you know, like strikeouts are just a little bit higher in Japan, and then people come over here and they're just not as high. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah, totally. All right, Greg. Uh, any uh, any Sagnoff help for the people chasing those last-minute saves as we get down to it? Uh, yeah, I think also, uh, let's see. So, Sagnoff. There's uh, Fairbanks has been great, you know, Kevin Cash, again, going back to Kevin Cash, he's not necessarily a guy who, uh, Kevin Cash that is, is a guy who's going to just stick with one person, but Fairbanks has been good for like the whole second half, really, and probably should just be rostered in all leagues. Um, I think uh, Buck Farmer got a uh, a save on Sunday. I, I don't think I'd speculate on him. I don't know. Alexis Diaz has been good. Even if even if the Reds go to Farmer, what are you going to get there? Two saves? I mean, how desperate are you, bro? <laughs> <laughs> Jose LeClerc seems to be the new Rangers closer, which I, I don't even know why. <laughs> I'm not even joking. I don't know why. I don't know why they suddenly made him the closer. But, yeah, so I, I think also Duran um, in Minnesota – has sort of become the closer, uh, but he's also a guy that Baldelli has said he doesn't really believe in naming a closer. So there's that. But also Baldelli has gone to Duran for multiple innings. So once Duran goes, like if Duran goes for two innings, say today, he's not be, he's not going to be able to go for two days. So you know if there's a save opportunity, then Lopez or Fulmer or someone else is going to get the saves. So I think Duran is the best bet uh, in Minnesota, but I don't necessarily think he's going to be an everyday closer. I think there, you know, there's potential there where he could be the closer in like you know situations, but not necessarily every situation. Uh, and then uh, I think also, and Jorge Lopez is there, and you know he's struggled. He's he hasn't been as great. For the twins, but he's been good enough where I think he'll probably get a save or two. So yeah, I, I think that's more or less the uh the big uh news. Did you have any more closer changes? No, I think that pretty much covers the ones that have, have happened since the last time we talked. I know there was a couple that they adjusted uh, you know, when we talked about it last show, but I think that's pretty much anything that has justice. It's funny in Texas, like they have five guys who are all pitching really well this second half um, in their bullpen that could all be potential closers, and that's that's without um, Joe Barlow, who we thought would be the closer the entire time. So it'll be interesting going looking at Texas next year when we're talking about closers because they can really go with any number of guys as we enter next season. Um, 
And they probably will, depending on the week. <laughs> <laughs> That's been how it's gone. Yeah, yeah. exactly, Gray. Um, how about how about some waiver waiver names for everybody? Uh, then we'll get out okay. of here. So uh, Rodolfo Castro has been so crazy hot. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I I do I I think it's more or less a uh, a hot potato, and I don't think it's going to last very long, but. It has lasted longer than I thought. So, I mean, he's definitely someone I would look at. And, uh, you know, Rengifo, for whatever, he still isn't even at 100% owned in RCLs. So he's probably available in ESPN leagues. And he's been hot again for, like, going on months now. He's been hot. Um, uh, Aristides uh, Aquino has been hot, the Reds uh, outfielder. Alex Call has been hot. Uh, Jan Mancada been really, you know, essentially awful for 98% of this season. <laughs> really <Can't> confirmed. <laughs> really terrible. Um, I guess he plays well when Tony LaRusa is not around. <laughs> so <laughs> Mancada has been good. Uh, Brandon Marsh has been great. I've had uh, I've actually had Brandon Marsh in a few leagues where I've been rocking him for a while now. And um, Yandy Diaz has been you know relatively hot. What about uh, what about you? What do you got? Uh, I'm just always going to mention my boy Jake Fraley anytime he does anything even remotely okay. So that's one. Um, if Eric Haas got is somehow out in your league, I mean he's been great, and obviously you have the catcher eligibility there. Uh, we talked about Josh Jung's call up last week, and he's been he's been doing everything that we thought he could possibly do so far. Um, Will Myers randomly, uh, you know, I he just kind of has popped up this second half and has has actually been a fantasy producer, kind of like old Will Myers a little bit. Um, I don't know that it carries through anything more than just. This second half, I wouldn't really count on him as a 32-year-old next year. But for now, he's he's actually played pretty well this second half, so I don't mind that one. Um, on the arm side, guys that have been pitching well with some good matchups. Uh, Ross Stripling, I think, is actually a two-start pitcher this week, although you're probably listening to this on Tuesday if you're listening to the podcast, which is why you should go to youtube.com slash Fantasy and watch the show on Mondays instead um, Brady Singer, Drew Smiley, who we joked about earlier, leaving your matchup in his hands, but he's been really good this whole second half. Mitch Keller has a matchup against the lowly Cubs. Um, Anibal Sanchez, I, I didn't even know he still was in the majors, Gray, and he's been he's been great this whole second half. Uh, Matt Manning has a good matchup. Uh, Marcus Stroman gets Pittsburgh in the you know versus the two terrible teams from NL Central. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a number of arms that you can potentially go out and, and look at for some streamers this week. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. As always, if you have specific questions, you can go into the comment section. You can come to youtube.com slash Razball fantasy. You can go to Twitter. I am at Razbedon. Gray is of course the owner of the at Razball account. And until next time, good luck in your matchups, Gray. I'll talk to you later. All right, lates. <laughs>